So this morning we're continuing our sermon series out of the Gospel of Mark. We've been calling it Following the Servant Savior. This morning we're in chapter 12. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, starting at verse 38. If you turn in your Bibles, Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 44. Uh, 38 through the end of the chapter, uh, essentially. That's where we'll be this morning. Mark 12. Starting in verse 38, and this is what the Bible says. Then he, that is Jesus, said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. Love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, And the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood, title of the message this morning is Takers and Givers. Takers and Givers. And if you would like to track along with the message, you can listen for these six things. Tuesday, Motives, Reserved Seating, People Watching, Less Than a Penny, And holding back. Tuesday, motives, reserved seating, people watching, less than a penny, and holding back. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord, it really is a privilege to gather together in your house. So good to lift our voices up and praise you for who you are. And to be reminded of your promises in song. So good to open your word. Thank you for the scriptures. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Please give us ears to hear us hearts to understand. I pray, dear God, that your spirit will fall fresh on us this morning. Please. Do your work in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we 
uh, begin this morning, it's important to remember where we are in the life of Jesus. As a reminder, this is the last week of Jesus' life before he's crucified. Feels like some time ago, as a matter of fact, it was 12 weeks ago that Matthew was in chapter 11 of the Gospel of Mark. And at the start of chapter 11 in the Gospel of Mark, Mark records the events of the triumphal entry. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey as the people praised him, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Question, question. What day of the week did Jesus make his triumphal entry? Sunday. Of course, we call it Palm Sunday. Because the people waved palm branches and carpeted the streets with their palm branches as Jesus rode by on the donkey. It was Sunday. On Monday, Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers at the temple. And from that point on, tensions started to mount. As a matter of fact, uh, it was on Monday that the scribes and the chief priests plotted to kill Jesus. Mark eleven eighteen says this, And the scribes and chief priests heard it. They heard about what had happened at the temple. They heard that Jesus had overturned the tables of the money changers. And they saw it how they might destroy Jesus. For they feared him. Because all the people were astonished at his teaching. That was Monday. And then verse 19 says that Jesus left Jerusalem when evening had come. And verse 20 says... Now in the morning. So there's a clear delineation of days here. Verse 19 is Monday. Monday ends. Verse 20 is Tuesday. And Tuesday is a busy day for Jesus. It's full of confrontation. The confrontations begin at verse 27 of chapter 11. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? So after Jesus stumps these men with a question of his own, he shares a parable, and that parable angers them. The Bible says in Mark chapter 12, and they, that is the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and they sought to lay hands on him. They wanted him dead. And they wanted him dead now. That same day, Jesus is confronted again. Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. That's verse 13, Mark chapter 12. Confrontations continue in verse 18. Then some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him. Are you keeping a list here, Grace? All in one day, a long line of people have come to confront Jesus. The chief priests, 
the scribes, the elders, the Pharisees, the Herodians, and the Sadducees, all coming, trying to find fault in him, trying to catch him in his words. They want to take hold of him. They want to put him to death. Finally, Jesus is confronted by another one of the scribes in verse 28. It's interesting that Mark's version appears to indicate this scribe's question is a sincere one. But the Gospel of Matthew presents it a little differently. Listen how Matthew describes this. Then one of them, a lawyer. Now, the Gospel of Mark identifies this man as a scribe. But a scribe was one who studied the law of Moses. He was one who preserved the law of Moses. So it was okay to refer to him as a lawyer. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. He wasn't fully sincere. He was testing Jesus. It was another opportunity to confront Jesus. Again, all of this is happening in one day. All of this is happening on Tuesday. Jesus then teaches in the temple, and he quotes the words of King David in Psalm 110, and he questions how the scribes could miss the true meaning of David's words. Matthew preached that message two weeks ago. And then we find ourselves at today's text, starting at Mark Chapter 12, verse 38. And he, that is Jesus, said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes. Question. Who's Jesus speaking to here? If you have your Bibles, you may find it. It's at the end of verse 37. Who's Jesus speaking to here? He's speaking to the common people. Verse 37, and the common people heard him gladly. They're seeing all these, this testing taking place, and they listen to Jesus, and they listen to him gladly. After a day of confrontation, the common people heard him gladly. Not the seemingly important people. Not those who were testing Jesus, not the ones who were trying to find fault in him. They all walked away with their tails between their legs. It was the common people who heard him gladly. And it's to them that Jesus speaks these next words. Then he said to the common people in his teaching, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Beware, people. Watch out. Guard yourselves against the teaching of the scribes. Why? What is it we have to watch out for? What is it that Jesus wants us to guard against? Jesus makes six allegations here against the scribes. 
And they all have to do with motives. The first is this. They go around in long robes. Listen, it's okay to dress differently. It's okay to look different from others. But what's the motive? The scribes wanted people to recognize them as noteworthy people by the way they dressed. Check your motives. Check your heart when it comes to appearance. Saddens me that modesty is a lost virtue today. Listen to what the Bible says about appearance. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. If the goal of my appearance is to draw attention to myself, my motives are not right. My heart is not right. Second allegation against the scribes was this. They love greetings in the marketplaces. How the scribes dressed prompted people to greet them in a special way. They had status. And they had position. And because of it, they were greeted with honor as they walked about in public. They were greeted with titles. Rabbi, teacher, master. And they loved it. They were greeted with expressions of deference. As a matter of fact, one commentator said, as a scribe walked down the street, everyone with the exception of a laborer, with the exception of someone working in that moment, everyone is, was expected to rise in honor of his presence. Check your motives when it comes to status or positions of authority. If I use my position to feed my own ego or build my own kingdom or make people believe I'm better than they are, rather than using my position for the betterment of others, my motives are not right. The Bible says those in positions of authority are to treat people considerately and fairly. The scribes failed miserably this. The third allegation against the scribes. They desired the best seats in the synagogues. They wanted to sit where the important people sat. Where they could be seen by everyone. I recently watched a documentary about a mega church in New York City that had reserved seating for important people. Actors, pop stars, professional athletes, the rich and famous, they had their own reserved section. Everybody else sat in the gallery. If you were special, if you were important, you got favoritism, you got a reserved seat. Check your motives when it comes to your relationship with God's people.
people. Meeting together as the body of Christ is not about my seat in the sanctuary. It's not about my parking space. It's not about my preferences. It's about the proclamation of the gospel and corporate worship and making disciples and encouraging one another and equipping laborers to, the, to do the work of the ministry outside of these walls. That's what this is about. That's what we're called to do. The Bible says, let each of you look not only out for the interests of his own, but also for the interests of others. If we cannot live out Philippians 2.4 inside the walls of this building, how will we ever live it outside of these walls? How will we ever point people to Jesus if we're more interested in self if gathering in God's house is not about Jesus, if it's not about serving him and serving others, but instead it's about me and my own preferences, then my heart is not right. Fourth allegation. They desire the best places at feasts. The feast here is a banquet. The best places at a banquet were always at the table of the host. The host table is the place of prominence. It was a place of importance. And the scribes desired those places of importance. But it's not just that they desired those places. They were ambitious. They were self-promoting they secured these places for themselves. They didn't cross their fingers and hope that the, the seating chart put them at the host table. They claimed those spots for themselves. Check your heart when it comes to your ambitions. The Bible says this, For, the exalta for exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Jesus said this, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Number five, on the list of allegations against the scribes, they devour widows' houses. First century scribes received no pay for their work. They relied on the charity of others to support them. But they were greedy. John MacArthur says that uh, scribes often served as estate planners for income, which gave them the opportunity to take advantage of widows and line their own pockets. The scribe then essentially robbed the widow of her husband's estate. Check your heart in regard to money. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in his first letter, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The writer of the letter to Hebrews wrote these words, do not love money, be satisfied with what you have, 
For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never fail you. I will never, never abandon you. Praise God. If I'm willing to take advantage of others, if I'm willing to be unscrupulous to make or keep money, then my heart is not right. Sixth and final allegation against the scribes here in Mark chapter 12, they make long prayers for a pretense. That word pretense is translated from the Greek word that literally means a covering or a means of hiding. It's all a lie. They're acting like something they're not. Check your motives. Check your heart when it comes to prayer and in a wider sense when it comes to the Christian disciplines. Listen to what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. Words are on the screen. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You hear those words in verse 5? They do what they do, that they may be seen by men. That's the motivation. The glory that belongs to God. The scribes wanted that glory all for themselves. Look at us. Put your focus on us. We're the ones who are important. We're the ones who deserve all the praise and all the glory. The attitude of the scribes is quite a contrast to what happens next. Jesus, teaching in verses 38 to 40, took place in the temple. Verse 41 then finds him in a room where the temple treasury is located. It's not likely that Jesus taught uh, the people in this room. Uh, that last conversation probably took place uh, in another room, perhaps the court of the Gentiles or somewhere at uh, the temple there. But he probably moved to this particular room where the treasury is set up on purpose. He wanted to watch the people as they gave their offerings. This is what the Bible says, starting at verse 41, Mark chapter 12. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. But then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she... Out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. 
We do not pass the plate here at Grace. Uh, instead, we have giving stations set up in the back of the sanctuary and, and in the foyer. I mention this often on Sunday mornings when I uh, share the announcements. We have two boxes. I'm not sure if many of you may not even notice them, but there are two boxes in the back of this room. As you exit out, one on each side, that's where you are welcome to place your offering, your donation to the church. There are also two boxes set on tables out in the foyer for you to do the same. We don't want to make it convenient. We just don't want to pass the plate anymore. We want to let this be between you and the Lord. Like the boxes on the walls in the back of this uh, room here, the temple had a room where 13 receptacles were mounted to the walls where offerings and donations were to be placed. These receptacles were not boxes like we have back here. They were actually uh, horn or trumpet shaped. They were thin at the top, wide enough for coins to fit through, wide at the bottom to, for the collection of the coins that were donated. How many of you like to watch people? Anybody like to watch people? Yeah, some of you are probably watching people right now. Watch me. <laughs> I, Blair and I like to watch people, not to make fun of people, just to watch. People are funny. Especially when you, they don't know you're watching them. So this happened over 20 years ago. Blair and I were in church. And we were watching this young couple. Uh, not yet married. They were young and in love. And they're sitting tight together. And they're cooing with one another back and forth. You know, kind of jotting notes here and there. We're just a couple rows back. And we just are enjoying this because we like seeing this kind of thing. We, we like marriage and we like people liking one another and getting along like this. So we're watching this and, and uh, it's all smiling and sweet and he decides he's going to put his arm around her. And he hits her in the eye with his elbow. And she, you know, her head snaps back and he's you know, trying to be quiet because church is happening. There's a pastor up front. And Blair and I are trying to keep ourselves from laughing at this. We just think this is awesome. We still laugh about that today because I have knocked Blair in the head. And we think about that couple. I still remember the girl's name. She didn't marry that guy. <laughs> That's what Jesus is doing here. He's people-watching. He strategically placed himself in a location where he can watch people make their donations because he wants to make a point to his disciples. Remember, he's the Son of God. He knows what he's going to see. He knows what's going to happen in front of him. The Bible says, And many who were rich put in much. Those who had much gave much. Not only could Jesus see this, he could hear it. So could every person in the room. As large coins are being dropped into the receptacle, there'd be a loud clinking sound as metal fell to the bottom of the container. I want you to notice 
the word many and much in verse 41. They come from the same root word in the Greek. So it could be translated, many who were rich put in many, as in many coins. So you can not only hear the clink of metal once, you can hear it many times as people are putting their money in these receptacles. The Bible says this in verse 42, Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. This woman stands out. She's not just a widow. She's a poor widow. The Bible says she has in her hands two mites. These mites are the smallest Jewish coins in circulation in Palestine. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for mite here is the word lepton. It means thin or light. They were made of copper, but they were very thin. They were very lightweight. Not only were they small in size, they were small in value. One mite was equal to one 128th of a denarius. A denarius was equal to one day's wage for the common laborer. So this widow, having two mites in her hand, needed 126 more mites just to have a day's wage in her hand. Think about that. The Gospel of Mark was written to a Roman audience. So for his readers' sakes, he told them that two mites were equal to a quadrans. That's how it's uh, identified in the New King James and in, in the New American Standard. Those from Rome would understand that amount would equal less than a penny. The two mites this widow had in her hand were the equivalent of less than a penny. The only way this woman could have given any less is if she had given only one mite instead of two. But her example captures the heart of Jesus. Verse 43 says he calls his disciples over. You need to see this, men. Get over here. I've got a lesson for you. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Hear me. Hear me, please. Nowhere in these verses does Jesus condemn the rich. It appears they were fulfilling their giving obligations properly. I read one commentary that suggested these people were forcefully inserting their coins into the offering receptacles in order to make a louder noise as they gave to bring attention to their sacrifice. But I don't find any evidence of that here. The rich 
put in much. The widow threw in two mites. Put in and threw in are actually the same Greek word. How they submitted their coins was the same way. But Jesus does commend this widow because she put in all that she had. Her whole livelihood, everything she had to live on, this widow gave. Let me say that again. Everything she had to live on, she gave. Remind me again. What day of the week is it? Tuesday. It's Tuesday. What happens on Friday? Jesus is crucified. Thursday, he will be arrested. Friday morning, he will be tried and crucified on a cross. Jesus wanted his disciples to see this. The widow's example was Jesus' example. Because in just a few days, he would be giving up everything he had. His entire life. The point of today's message is this. There are takers and there are givers. The scribes were takers. They took the people's accolades. They took advantage of their authority. They took the best seats in the synagogues. They took the best seats at banquets. They cheated widows out of their houses and money. And they stole the glory that only God deserves. Jesus condemned them for it. These will receive greater condemnation, he said. The widow, on the other hand, was a giver. She gave everything. Consider this. As we approach the end, consider this. It's not how much you give to the Lord but how much you hold back that's the issue. It's not how much you give. It's how much you hold back. And I'm not talking just about money here, Grace. Don't get me wrong. Money's included in that. It's included. That's not all we're talking about here. What are you holding back from the Lord today? That's my question to you. What are you holding back from the Lord? Is it money? Is it your time? Is it your future? Is it your kids? Can you honestly say, Lord, have your way in every area of my life? Every area. What areas of your life are you trying to hide from the Lord? Is there a sin issue? Is it your thought life? Check your motives. Examine your heart. 
Bible says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. I bet if you were to question the scribes, they would say, yeah, we're in the faith. They were far from it. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the incredible contrast here of the scribes, religious leaders of the day, and one poor widow. Thank you for her example. And thank you that only days later you gave your life freely. You gave all so that we could have the hope of eternal life by placing our faith in you. So God, do your work, please. Have your way please, in us, in every way, in every area, have your way. And Lord, I pray that the words of uh, that wonderful hymn will be true of us, all to Jesus, all to Jesus, all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. In Jesus' name.